Well, somehow we made it to episode two. We're back and we're at the Rutland Arms. Welcome to the Sheffield Hopcast. Hi there, I'm James Marriott. This is the Sheffield Hopcast Beer Talk from the Steel City. It's episode two and we're going to be finding out more about our hosts here at the Rutland a bit later on. Uh, We're also going to be just up the road meeting Alex from Sentinel Brewery. Plus we'll find out about a new beer festival in Sheffield coming soon. Uh, First let's meet the crew tonight, Adam Nicholson, co-host of the podcast. Adam, uh, what's been your beer of the month? Um, I've got a couple of quick ones. Liquid Sex Robot by mm. Lervig. He's the filthy animal. <laughs> 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 Which is downstairs. <laughs> that, that's another one. Um, one of the Northern Monk trilogy 2017 ones, uh, Hops, yeah. that was really good. And one that I was really looking to try, which I think James had tried as well, which is the Thornbridge Love Among the Ruins, which was on keg. I think it was one of the first times they've done that, which is absolutely beautiful. I'll just knock that one off my list then to mention. You can admit it. it. Well. <laughs> okay, Sean, um, our uh, beer connoisseur, what's been your favourite beer of the month? Firstly, let's just pay reference to the fact that you're here in one piece after your skiing expedition. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I had, had a lovely week in, uh, in uh, French Alps last week, so I'm refreshed. I've only been in the shop once in the last 10 days. Wow. So I'm back in tomorrow and all systems are go. Uh, favourite beer, um, we did our last beer central bottle share at Ecclesall uh, Ale Club back in January. I had it there and then I also had it in the Smithfield Tavern in Manchester uh, just over a week ago and uh, a beer from Burning Sky Plateau. Uh, 3.5, 3.8%, something like that, pale ale. Uh, Beautiful, and whereas last time on the podcast I kept going on about drinking halves mostly now, uh, I have uh, had a, a couple of pints of that and just a fantastic beer. Burning Sky, brilliant. Fair enough. Um, we described you as our brewery last last time, we'll, we'll stick with that. Laura Rangeley, and um, Laura, your favourite beer of the month? Uh, I'm gonna go for uh, we were in Birmingham last weekend for the day. Uh, I tried two beers from a brewery I've never heard of before called Dig Bruco. Uh, they were both double dry hopped pails. Um, they were called Strolling Thunder. And have you seen Tom's Snapchat? I think it was. <laughs> I'm sure that was awesome. <laughs> What's a good name? Never heard of the brewery before. And it was kind of beers that drinking them like, wow, that, they're both great. Yeah. Where are they from? Assuming they'd be somewhere. Uh, in America from just the sheer hoppiness they'd packed in both of them uh, had a look and they were two miles away from where we were sat down in Digbeth in uh, Birmingham Ooh. so we had a little wander to have a look around their brewery as well which was uh, really good fun so yeah, I'm going to go for those two okay um, our social media man and relative <laughs> relative beer newbie I think uh, beer virgin I like beer, beer yeah. virgin we'll yeah, go yeah, with yeah, there yeah, yeah. Uh, Rich <laughs> Davies sat next to God it's <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, what's been your favourite beer in month? Well, I'm a bit I, because I'm that beer virgin. Whatever Belgian blues around, I cane it. I really oh, do. Again. <laughs> and, again. and I caned it a bit too much probably on Saturday. Just gone. It's still on. But it just it just ran out of it on Saturday night. So I've kind of probably milked that. But then on Friday night, that before actually, I tried Northern Powerhouse, which I quite enjoyed. That was a 
That was a good point. I Which think is we... Magic Rock and Roosters. Roosters. Roosters are celebrating yeah. their 25th birthday. 4.8, was it, or something yeah. like that? 4.5, 4.8, somewhere yeah, around like that. Yeah, so that, that, was, that was good, and uh, had a few of those, but yeah, the Belgian Blue really kicked in on Saturday night. So. We've still got some mini kegs left, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm all right then, for a while longer. <laughs> Don't encourage him. <laughs> um, for me, to be fair, I've actually had some really, really good beers right through the month, and um, for, for me, it's been a good month for Thornbridge. Uh, the two barrel-aged sours that they had on, obviously, Adam, you mentioned uh, one of them. Uh, the other was the uh, Raspberry Blonde, which was also really, really nice. But it's their other raspberry sour that I'm going to pick out, Tullamine, which is the first in their kind of year of beer. Um, it's a raspberry wheat sour, and it's just absolutely superb. I'm a, I'm a big fan of sours anyway, um, so it's right up my street. Um, and it's just like raspberry just works really well in a sour because it's quite kind of tart to begin yeah, with yeah I can second that as well yeah and yeah just thought it was absolutely brilliantly done and I'm kind of gutted that I know that you know there's probably a couple of barrels of it still knocking around somewhere and then it's gone quite sad well you know sometimes these things come back around you know they were doing the tart this year which was they did do last year at some point so. yeah um, we've got um, a sour for our first beer of the night haven't we Sean we have yeah um Siren Craft Brew, uh, based down in uh, Berkshire. Uh, very appropriate that we're, we're upstairs in the room above the, the Rutland, as we record currently, because uh, the guys from Siren <coughs> came up to Sheffield, did a meet the brewer in one of the early Chef Beer Weeks, uh, uh, and had a bit of a spectacular night in this very room, uh, chit-chatting with everyone, and uh, uh, at that time, uh, they weren't sort of uh, too far away from having launched a Caribbean chocolate cake. Which is perhaps their most famous, uh, their f- most famous beer, and I know Rich mentioned yeah, it earlier. Yeah, that's one of my favourites. Yeah, it's absolutely, a, an yeah. absolutely staggering brew, and let's hope they bring that again. Uh, yeah, uh, back, uh, back soon. Calypso is what we've gone for. It's a, uh, a dry hop sour, and it has become a modern classic. Really, it's part of their core range, and sometimes core ranges can just, from a sales point of view, for us, can drag their heels a little bit. Sometimes this one doesn't. Recognised by uh, a great many Sheffield drinkers has been an absolute classic and so hopefully we'll uh, we'll be thinking the same in a few minutes time. Now I thought with this that um, we, we kind of touched on this a little bit last time but it's a good opportunity for us to get to know a little bit more about the kind of beers that we like and don't like um, because as I've already said a couple of times tonight I'm a big fan of sours um, I know they're not to everyone's liking, um, and I know we talked a little bit last time about the kind of things that we um, that we like and that we don't like. Um, but it's you know, maybe an opportunity to discuss a little bit more about the kind of things that um, that do it for us. Because I am, you know, sours is something that I do really, really like. Um, I what what I struggle to get excited about is kind of bitters and old English style. Beers, which don't really do it for me at all. Like Mester's um, beers, mucky, mucky dark beers. Yeah, yeah kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I get that. Um, I know we we kind of touched on a, a conversation before we started recording tonight, where Adam, you were I was talking p- about picking the, out your at least favoured style. It wasn't the least favoured style. I think it's more. I've talked about it on, on online a few times, and it's the New England style IPA. I think there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's just it's kind of getting a little bit tiring. I think I think um, we were talking about me, me and Sean were talking. We, we quite 
fan of hopefully this year being the the resurgence of the West Coast IPA. <clears throat> and uh, I don't know what it is about the New England one, whether it's just it doesn't really have that kind of kick to it or that kind of clarity to think, it. Yeah, it's very easy drinking. I mean, a lot of West Coast IPAs do give you strong bitterness, and so that doesn't sometimes agree with, with certain people, mm. both you and I crave that, I think, I think, that bitterness. I think sometimes, I mean, we talk... Um, I don't mean to slag any of these brewers off because I think they make fantastic beers. You know, if you take them in a competition with a lot of other brewers, they win hands down. It's just that there's a, there's a lot of styles now where I'm finding very difficult to pull out the hops almost in between differentiate. Different, yeah, differentiate between the So maybe it's like Cloudwater or Verdant or um, Day or something like that. All brilliant beers, but I just I just kind of crave a slight more crispness and a slight more like bite to the hop. And I just find them slightly quite muddy sometimes. And um, I think Laura, you were saying like people call these like, juice bombs, and I don't, yeah. least, I don't really find that sometimes. I find sometimes. them really overpowering and a bit cloying as opposed cloying, to refreshing. Yeah. Personally. What do you like then? I find it hard to pick out a particular style really because I do like a little bit of everything. But so I'm going to kind of cheat a bit and say I like beers if they're themed around desserts. Okay. <laughs> So, you know, a, a lovely, like, chocolatey stout I really enjoy, or, like, a, a lot of sours now that have a little bit of sweetness to them, sort of lactose IPAs and all that sort of thing. So, not necessarily sweet beers per se, but just beers with a bit... Did you did you try the um, the Tiny Rebel one? The... Is it, like, the Frambois. 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 Is that the one? I don't know if you tried that one. That's quite Raspberry sour. Yeah, 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 that's the one, yeah. yeah. That divided quite a lot of opinion, that, didn't it? I, I really liked it, I know you really liked it, and I've seen a few people that said that they thought it was horrendous. Um, it was a real opinion splitter, that. See, I've got a really sweet tooth, so anything that's kind of, that's got chocolate in the title or anything, cherry, or this would be mean that the beer virgin here now, um, I really kind of instantly get drawn to. Um, and like I said, the, the Caribbean chocolate cake was one of those instantly that I, was, I, I never, I didn't like, don't like stout as a rule. Mm. But I tried that, and I was absolutely hooked on that. And it's been a real surge, certainly the last six months of uh, of, of sweet stout, sweet porters. You mentioned Tiny mm. Rebel then, uh, Stay Puffed from about a year ago. Their marshmallow yeah. porter yeah. did incredibly well and was very popular. And then they followed that up in the autumn with uh, Imperial Puffed. So an imperial version, uh, and again incredibly sweet. They mm. did. Um, what was the name of the sweet shops out that they did as well around the same period? I'll remember it in a second. But there's, there are there are loads to choose from, Rich. Mm. You are you are a lucky boy. I need to come down to, to you and uh, yeah. yeah. Any, pick, anyway, pick a few. <laughs> yeah, well, I like them. baking as well, so yeah. it, it kind of fits in quite well yeah. with that as well because I'm drink it while you're baking. A fan of beer and food pairing and chucking beer in whatever food I can. <laughs> yeah. What was the Aberdeel one? I did try that and did enjoy it. The, the, uh, does it don't go bacon? There's or? don't go bacon. My heart was a bacon and ice cream. So the, that water. was yeah. That was kind of a. Yeah. I didn't think that was that was more on the sort of sweet side than the savoury side, which I think that was a, that was a good, a good drink. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you were behind the uh, creation of that. Oh yeah, these sweets. definitely. Coffee and donuts. <laughs> <laughs> so on, on the flip side, Rich, how are you finding the um, Calypso? I, I, I kind of James has talked a lot about sours, and I've kind of like I'm, I, I've kind of been wanting to, to get into them a little bit more. And I, I really like that. It's actually it's got I like strong flavours, mm. and it's got a real kind of strong. 
there's a, there's a few sours out there which I think are a bit of a gateway to, to sours and I think mm. that Calypso is one of them mm. and I think I remember having it it feels like a few years ago I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to pretend I know when it came out but I remember trying it and thinking that is quite it's like an easy it's like on the easy going side of like yeah. a sour it's uh, going back to like my favourite beer styles I'm like James I do really like sours but I, I'm very much like a, a kind of crisp sour yeah, I'm more crisp, rather, clean, rather than the kind of funky classic. side of sours yeah I mean, I know like sort of wild beer do quite like funky ones, but I really like their. Um, can't tell me but the um, the one the bread the bread one uh, sourdough. Sourdough, yeah. And I think that's kind of like on their less funky side of uh, of yeah. sours, and like you could drink that all day. It's like what three and a half percent, and like Berliner Weiss by its by its style is supposed to be what three and a half percent. Traditionally, probably served with a, a syrup, and it seems like the English people seem to just like it. See, to me, it's got a dry kind of side. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think, I, think I, I would say to people who maybe are cider drinkers that you probably like a lot of the kind of clean sort of style. White wine as well, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That kind of crisp. It's not, a, it doesn't, it's not a face sucker, is it, in terms no. of a, 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 a sour. And, <laughs> no. You know, I mean, I, I sometimes really crave those ones that, that you almost have to fight to drink it because it mm. really does want to... It kind of wants to suck your cheeks in and everything. Mm. Whereas this is almost like... A sweet and sour, sour. It's just, if, if that makes sense. It's, 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 it's quite it? gentle. It's very, uh, gentle. I mean, yeah, it's quite grassy on the finish as well. That yeah. I think makes it keep keep really refreshing all the way through the bottle. I mean, what, what sort of things do you find like from your shop? What, what what sells well? What do you kind of advise to people who maybe you might maybe risk risk a sour for? Yeah, them? you're right about the cider link to things, yeah. and often it's a, uh, it, it is a useful way of just. Um, giving people a, uh, an idea as to what to expect because uh, the, the scrumpy ciders have always had that sort of tart sourness yeah. that just make your cheeks wobble a little bit uh, uh, and so it's a, a, a nice intro and <clears throat> sour wise um, it, it really does vary whereas you've just mentioned IPAs a, a few moments ago and there's a lot of the juice and New England style um, sour drinkers um, from experience tend to be perhaps more varied in what they go for some will go for lambic some will go for uh, lots of fruit dominated sours people go for classics like that a lost industry in Sheffield are very clever with their <coughs> cocktail sours so there's lots of variety in there sour IPAs of course yeah. as well occasionally sour stuff. I don't think it's a million miles away from like salty kiss yeah you know, like um, yeah. no that's not it it's like a ghost yeah sour, but <coughs> magic rock um, so like that's really widely yeah, another, available. Yeah, another core beer from them. That, Similar sort of strength that as well. Great. Yeah, I would say that's kind of a good entry beer. If I remember talking to people, or maybe I'm out and someone said, "Oh, you know, like this, try this." And I think that's a good yeah. another one that I'll probably push on someone. Yeah. Something I think that I'd be quite confident that they wouldn't kind of turn their nose up yeah. or just pull a face yeah. out. Uh, Mozza beet. I tend to go with people who've not had a, a sour before uh, and a, a lambic from Brussels. And I think the balance of that is, is just beautiful as an entry sour on the Belgian side of things, particularly. Do you get people coming in kind of saying, I, I, I want to try something different, yeah. I want to get into this, yeah. but yeah. I don't know where to start? Yeah, we're, we're people uh, come in quite honestly. Uh, I remember one lad perhaps a year ago, I'm a lager drinker, I drink Carlin, I drink Foster's, and I need to, uh, to move on. I'm desperate well. to move on. And so, uh, so the initial challenge then is not to throw Caribbean chocolate cake at yeah. him, of course, <laughs> and say you'll love this. Um, is to is to just 
extend them a little bit. So lagers like Augustina Hell from uh, from Munich or Sam Smith's Pure Brew uh, from Tadcaster gets a lot of love and a lot of following. Um, just tends to get a a, a a mass brand lager drinker just lift, lifting the the taste buds a little bit and then you can start drifting across into sort of hybrids there's a lot of uh, lager stroke pale ale sort of hybrids uh, that are brewed and you're starting to get a little bit more hoppiness uh, from those and so uh, um, it's relatively easy to do and with this guy I, I remember because he was it, it was a real uh, a plea a plea from him to get him to move away from the mass market. Do you know what Sorry for him. Um, from, from one style of sour to a very different one, because um, next we're going to have uh, a drink of the beer that's been provided by our venue tonight. This is um, Magic Factory Council Brewing Company. Uh, it's Lickable Staves. It's an American sour red ale aged in red wine barrels with some cherry sewn in for good measure as well. It's 7.8% um, and it's been provided by our venue tonight, uh, which is the Rutland Arms. Now, um, last time, of course, we were at Bar Stewards, which is kind of a newcomer onto the Sheffield beer scene. This month, our venue is a real veteran. So, Adam found out some more. Kate Major, I'm the co-owner of the Rutland Arms. So Kate, could you tell a little bit about yourself and how you come about running the Rutland? I used to manage the three tons on Silver Street Head for Andy of Retail Pubs um, until about 18 months ago when Chris from Shakespeare's and I decided to leave, make our own way in the world and try and set up the boardwalk, which obviously all fell through, through no fault of our own. Um, and so we were kind of bumming around Sheffield trying to decide what to do with our lives when I was told that this place was coming up and that my old boss was putting it or wanting to kind of throw in the towel, so to speak. So uh, we jumped at the chance. What do you think um, made you think this is a good place to take over? Well, because it's on the edge of town. It's already an established like area for drinking in because you've got the Sheffield tap and now you've got the beer engine. Um, but it's a little bit out on a limb, so people who are in town shopping or whatever aren't necessarily going to come down here. But now with everything that's going on down sort of Sydney Street in that area, it's all kind of growing. It seems like an obvious place to kind of grow a business, which is already a perfectly like well-running business to try and make it something amazing. <laughs> so you touched on that, but we're in the kind of what they now call the cultural industries quarter. Um, there's lots of businesses, commercial and. Um, including places like um, the Birdhouse uh, Kitchen place have come up. Um, you've now got Sentinel. Um, there is rumours of other places, which I don't want to go into at the minute, but I've heard of some interesting. <laughs> um, do you think we've possibly got like maybe a new Callum Island on our hands in the next few years? I don't want to say it's a new Callum Island because I think that the pubs down here have got a completely different offering to the established pubs of Callum Island and also to the new up-and-coming places in Kellam Island but I'd like to think that we can take some of that pub crawl element of Kellam Island away and actually like create something new on this this side of town as well. So I know um, Chris the the other half of um, the partnership is more influenced involved in the beer sort of thing but um, for anyone who's not been here before what kind of beers can they expect to find here? Okay so on cask we always have 
two or three blue bee beers on because that's kind of the background we've come from and it's a favor to them and they're also you know as far as sheffield breweries go they're, they're a very good brewery um then other cask wise we'll get stuff from almasty from um northern monk from blackjack shiny kind of a lot of like the good uk cask breweries keg wise it's a bit more exciting for people who want like the more experimental drinks so a lot of Lervig, Cloudwater. Um, we've got some Little Earth Project on at the moment, which is one of my favorites. Um, and they're just more from further afield. So we'll get some usually Scandinavian and like Northern European beers on. Um, last month in the podcast, um, our colleague, Sean, which you know, um, he commented on some of the great food on offer around this area. Um, but he pointed out, especially uh, Chef Rico here, yep. and how much the good food he's doing here. Just how important is that and uh, what kind of things can they expect to eat if they come in here? Food is a massive part of the business here. And I think it's definitely in the current climate of pubs, a very good way of keeping people in and keeping people drinking who aren't necessarily looking to spend a lot of money on alcohol. Um, the food here ranges from the chip butty made with like proper homemade chips to um, like crazy wonderful like Asian inspired dishes. They had Korean fried pheasant. Was it pheasant or partridge? <laughs> Korean fried like game on. They have like all sorts of wonderful. There's a lot of a lot of East Asian like inspired dishes. There's always like vegan food to like choose as well vegan curries and burgers and um and then obviously the sunday brown with like good quality local meat and 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 you know proper sunday trimmings um over the like last year or so i've seen a lot of tap takeovers um they're not just being a specific brewery base but they've also been had to focus on particular countries um i just wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about kind of how you get involved in that and where your kind of stance is on what you do. Chris has a fantastic ability to collect beer from around the country. As soon as it comes up, we'll get an email and he's on it. Um, and then as soon as that happens, he starts to get this like like idea of a, a tap takeover for a nationality. So he's got a load of beers coming up from Cambridge for a Dutch tap takeover on the 23rd of February. Um, some really interesting like stouts and sours and stuff. Um, but it's mostly through Chris's like incredible ability to just find beers and, and take them in. And then he prints out pictures of people of that nationality and makes people guess them because that's his idea of fun. I mean, looking to the next month, we've got Sheffield Beer Week in the next um, four weeks, three weeks. What kind of things have you got planned for that week? So on the Tuesday will be our camera pub of the month presentation which I'm very excited about. So we'll probably have a tap takeover for that, although it's not been confirmed. Um, but the general theme of the week will be um, Ladies in Beer, which we've organised with Jules from Hop Hideout and a few other um, like women in the industry. So there'll be a, like a women tap takeover and stuff like that. And I think um, Emma, one of our chefs, and Heather, the assistant manager, will be going to Abbeydale to brew a beer with them as well. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Uh, well, thank you to uh, Kate and the team who've been lovely hosts here at the uh, the Rutland, and um, the the beer that we've just been having, which is this um, Lickable Staves, which is a very odd name for um, for a beer, a very different kind of sour to the one that we were having 
before so it's got that kind of you pick up that red wine taste mm. um but the cherry really comes through as well um and it's for a 7.8 percent beer i find it quite drinkable i um i enjoyed that it's drinkable it's really puckering i think it, like yeah. being, i think me and sean have got the same sort of flavors it's quite lingering mm. almost a little bit um yeah it's very different to the it's very different to calypso it wouldn't be a I wouldn't be a starter. Yeah, I find that more difficult to drink. Yeah, it's it's complex. It's complex. Yeah, complex is a good a good I phrase. I like the challenge. Like a challenge. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Didn't say it wasn't a lad. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, Sean, our next beer tonight then. What have we got? Um, as part of our four each uh, each month, uh, we have one local beer, one international, and this is the international uh, dry and bitter. Uh, brewery based over in uh, in Denmark. Uh, it's a little uh, session IPA that they've done, as seen on TV, uh, it's called. 4.2%, I think largely American hopped. Um, we'll have a taste of it. Try and bitter uh, an interesting brewery though. They're, uh, they're behind a, 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 wider com- a, a wider campaign within the beer industry, which are, uh, is worth us talking about, certainly. Okay, so is it them that's um, that actually the instigators? Lead? Yeah, instigators. they lead on it. Yeah. So it's so a thing called Hops Not Hit. That's it. Yeah. Which is about um, breweries kind of signing up to do special edition <coughs> beers, uh, which I think is it like half the profits or essentially the profits? It. Yeah, yeah. That go uh, to good causes, go to charity. Yeah. So uh, it, it goes all the way down the line. So generally, there've been collaborations. They did one, for example, with. Our, uh, um, cloud water and so uh, the collaborating brewers agree to give I think it is 50% of their uh, net profits from uh, from the brew the, the one-off brews uh, but then it, it goes all the way down the line so we as a retailer have stocked probably three four now uh, hops not hit uh, different beers and uh, on each occasion once we've sold that particular beer we then make a contribution and what we've been doing is doing a, a contribution um, each time to a local charity and an international uh, charity and just splitting wherever wherever we make uh, uh, again as a, a 50% of, of the, the, the profit on the beer and so uh, it's something that's benefited she- Sheffield for example or uh, uh, DePaul oh, we're just around the back of the Moor Market I remember is one and they are uh, uh, look after the, the homeless in Sheffield. There's another one in Sheffield whose name I just forget for the moment, but they uh, look and support our uh, uh, females who are, are new into Sheffield, uh, and particularly from overseas, immigrants into Sheffield, and support and offer advice. And um, it, it's a fantastic concept. Pr- promotes inclusivity, um, both from a point of view of race and gender. Uh, sexuality uh, across the beer industry so it's, it's, it's good it, it does sound really really fantastic because the the beer industry obviously is something that's that's grown and changed so much over the last well 10 years but certainly the last five years and you know people would look at it and say well there's you know there's plenty of money knocking around in the beer industry now um so how good it is that there's something there that's about kind of giving something back and, yeah. and doing something that's really kind yeah. of helping society as a whole, which has got to be... Yeah, a, customers a don't have to contribute any of their own funds, but they can buy a beer knowing that down the line our, uh, our money has gone to, to, to good causes. So we, we found that uh, certainly the craft side of the industry is incredibly inclusive. 
are, uh, and I know there are there are lots of different are, uh, um, blogs each week looking at gender issues and looking at sexuality issues and uh, Brexit gets involved as well I suppose at different yeah. points but uh, craft beer does have a strong sort of political uh, uh, leaning uh, of, of various types but it just seems very inclusive I think very collaborative and inclusive as an industry and getting more so as well it, increasingly yeah yeah. It's, it's strange for um for me, because I've, I've said to a few people over the course of the last month, the other podcast that I'm involved in is a football podcast. Anything you do regarding having an opinion in football, you, you'll get 50% of people will just slate you <laughs> for it. Um, what I found quite interesting about doing something that's involved in beer is the fact that people are generally very respectful of each other's opinions. And it's fine for... Like us, five people we can sit down, try a beer, and we'll all think something completely different about yeah. it, and that's all right. Yeah. And it's not that any of us are right or any of us, any of us are, are, are wrong. Uh, the, there is a you know a genuine respect of, of each other's um, opinions, um, which is you know really refreshing and, and, and really nice, a really kind of nice environment to kind of be in. Yes, yeah, I mean, we've said from the start that we don't want to be kind of this elitist kind of podcast. We want to be inclusive. We want to encourage people who are maybe starting the journey in beer also people wanting to you know just further the, you know, broaden their kind of horizons on it but yeah it's, 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 it's interesting really good you're right with this it's kind of I'm, I'm sitting on a bit of a journey to try different things and um, <clears throat> I guess that's where I am kind of with, with me personally at a minute is trying different things and, 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 and coming along and and just finding, you know, discovering stuff that I didn't know before. So. It's, it's, it's not perfect. There are there are um, a number of beer forums out there uh, where people will argue all day long and get quite bitter about it. Or, uh, no pun intended. Which, no, uh, which, which can, can all seem a little bit flippant and ridiculous. Or, uh, I think people are better off approaching things. Everyone, you, you said right or wrong earlier, James, yeah. Everyone is right. If someone likes a beer for a particular uh, reason, um, then they are they are right, uh, and if someone else uh, likes something else, they are right. Uh, there's no real wrongs about it. No. All. You can't tell someone that they're wrong no. because they like a beer. But I think no, you're wrong to like that beer. Like, like you said, I, I work with a, one of my clients is a pub, and they have that very same thing. If you change a beer on one of them, what the guy that's got his shape of his backside on the you know one of the sofas, if you if you take away his, his his beer he's been drinking for how many years, and he gets a bit upset. You know, so there is that kind of, I get that kind of, you know, yeah. on, on forums, the camera kind of yeah. Yeah. angle possibly, I don't know. So what's everyone's thoughts on this beer? Um, it's a session IPA. Uh, some people would like to argue about that as a, as a description for a beer. It would have been a pale ale probably five years ago. But 4.2%, uh, easy drinking, mm. there's lots of flavour there. There is like a lot of It's quite hoppy for yeah. it. I really rate dry and bitter. Have they got one that's come out with Mag uh, Magic Rock recently? Is that, is that one that's yeah, done? Yeah, Small Voice, I think it's yeah. is that, is that Is that part of that really? Yeah. yeah, which yeah. I, I did recently. I actually think I had it here, actually. It's a small voice. It's yeah. just like a getting the big 500ml cans. You can. It's yeah. launched in the last two weeks. Really, really nice. Yeah. Like, similar to that. Yeah, it's just not, similar. Not tried that, actually. It's similar to that. It's a little, probably a little bit cleaner, mm. maybe a little bit cleaner. Uh, not quite as um, hoppy. Uh, I'd, I'd look out for that. I think, I think it's worth worth a can at least, and if you can find it on keg. Yeah. Um, like I said they had it on here, but not anymore because <laughs> probably had one yeah, barrel. But yeah, yeah. Uh, really good. Classic classic magic rock with a, a twist, I suppose. Obviously, 
and try a bit of twist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a really big fan of um, kind of 5% and under beers that really pack flavour. Um, because, you know, if it's a, you know, a Wednesday night and you really fancy, you, you fancy a beer but you don't want anything that's too overpowering, you really are catered for now. The, there's so many things out there that, ev- even quite a lot of kind of sub 4% beers oh, that, that really do carry that, that, f- mm. that flavour. Um, and I think once upon a time, you could accuse some breweries of, of you know, kind of anything that was maybe 4.5 or under was always going to be a little bit, a little bit watery and a little bit weak and a little bit sepid. Um, yeah, a little bit thin. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I don't think I don't think that's the case now at all. I'm I'm, yeah, I've also it was a, it's a good benchmark of a uh, of a brewery, not necessarily their mid-range beers, but what they can do at the real top end in terms of drinkability. So something like Magic Rocks or Newman Cannonball. Is it eleven percent? I think, yeah, um, yeah. but is incredibly simple. drinkable and simple to drink, but full of flavour. But then you get things like Simpleton or Magic yeah. Rock have got their new small beer range, two point eight, two point nine percent. Previous to that, Siren did Half Mast, Half, Jacob's yeah, Ladder yeah. from Buxton. They get incredible fa- flavour out of sub three percent beers, yeah. uh, which takes some doing. But yeah. I think that shows an amazing skill as a brewer <laughs> to create full flavour from low ABV. Mm. And to create simplicity in terms yeah, of drinking, if you look at something ABV. that's only recently <laughs> become kind of available to a lot of breweries in a way, because of the price point, because yeah. historically beers were more often than not priced according to their ABV, yeah. and that was it. And the idea of cramming as many hops into a beer that's three and a half percent that you would into a beer that's six, there's no way you can command the the price yeah. for that. Whereas now I think drinkers are becoming more aware of what's gone into the beer and thinking about the value of a beer rather than the price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you pay for the flavour, not for the yeah. for the alcohol content, don't you? Yeah, and, and, and you know what else? Me, yeah. Uh, now Sheffield Beer Week is uh, is fast approaching in March, and this year there's something quite special to kick off the week, which is a brand new beer festival. Now Jules Gray is the organiser. You may know Jules from the Hop Hideout on Abbeydale Road. I popped along to find out more about the Indie Beer Feast. Jules, obviously it's a, a brand new event for, um, for for Sheffield. Just tell us a bit about it, really. What is the uh, the Indie Beer Feast? Uh, so Indie Beer Feast is a one-day uh, beer festival at a beautiful building just along the road on Abbeydale called the Abbeydale Picture House, which is sort of an old 1920s cinema that's um, been restored slowly, but bit by bit, <laughs> lovingly. And it, the idea is just to kind of have a host of brewery bars, so people who work at the brewery will be working um, on the bar you know, serving beer at the bar so people can chat. There'll obviously be volunteers as well helping out. Uh, so two sessions, got a morning session and a sort of early evening session. 15 different breweries at the moment, mixed from sort of local breweries such as Abbeydale and Lost Industry to kind of all over. Really, we've got an American brewery, Sierra Nevada, um, and the feast element is uh, we'll have a number of street food vendors um so there's uh arancini um really nice bow buns um from a company called little bow boy um they're delicious and a couple of other uh, traders that are going to be there this year 
I mean, obviously, there's uh, there's the main Steel City um, beer festival and kind of one or two other beer festivals that take place around the area. What kind of sets this apart? Why why is this different? Uh, this is different, I guess. I suppose the Kelham Island one's a camera organised event, so it specifically focuses on you know cameras focus, which is cask ale, um, and it's uh, got sort of a huge Sheffield focus. I think all of pretty much all of the Sheffield breweries uh, pour or have casks there at least. Uh, Indie Beer Feast is more kind of an independent, um, organised beer event. And it's, as I mentioned before, it's going to have brewery bars, so people who work from breweries will be hosting their own bars. Um, It's not something I made a huge thing of, but it is going to be mainly sort of keg-dispensed beer. Um, To me, it's just all about tasty beer, lots of different styles, and just trying to showcase that really. Obviously, you mentioned about the the brewery bars. I mean, this is kind of like a, a really unique opportunity to chat to the people that are actually making the beers that that you're drinking, isn't it? Yes, most definitely. And what you find as well is they want to engage with people drinking their beer as well. Because even though it's nerve wracking when you do brew a beer and then watch somebody drink it in front of you, I'm sure that's also the point of it. Because you're creating something and putting it out there and. You know, you want to hear what people's genuine opinions are. So, yeah, I, I think it's kind of connect producers with their customers. Absolutely. Um, tell us the, the kind of the nitty gritty then. When When is it? Where do people get tickets? Can you buy tickets on the door? All that kind of stuff. So it's on Saturday, the 10th of March. Um, and there's two sessions. So it's sort of like an early earlier afternoon and evening session at the moment all the tickets are online so you can get them we're partnering with tickets for goods which um is uh they a percentage of the booking fee actually goes towards sort of charitable donations but all all the details are on their website uh you can go on our website as well which is indiebeerfeast.co.uk we've also got facebook and that's got links for tickets on it's about 650 a session that includes your branded glass Obviously, this is kind of linked to um, Sheffield Beer Week, uh, which has run for, for quite a few years now. How, how are the plans for that coming along? Yeah, so uh, Sheffield Beer Week 2018 will be year four. Um, and the part of the reason for kind of arranging the Indie Beer Feast, sort of not just sort of personal desire to put on something like an event like that it was also partly because of the loss I guess in a way or movement should I say of the Society of Independent Brewers Conference from Sheffield to Liverpool this year so SEBA as they're known as have been in Sheffield for about the last five or six years and they did have a a beer festival that um that was on and since they've moved to Liverpool they're they're actually not having a a beer festival over there it's just going to be a trade conference but what's happened is there's kind of a a a gap really now from their beer x or beer alive festival that was during the week um so it just felt like the right moment really to launch something new um to sort of fill that fill that gap really I suppose that kind of last last comments really I'm just kind of excited to put it on personally it's also nerve-wracking <laughs> putting on putting on event we're kind of looking at starting sort of intimate and small so the sessions you know you might be looking at kind of um, anywhere between sort of 200 and 400 people a session so hopefully that'll mean that people have more chance really to talk to people at the brewery bars as well I guess um, but 
yeah, just it'd be great to see people come out and support it, really. Well, thank you to Jules for uh, for her time. One of the breweries who um, are going to have a bar at the Beer Feast is Magic Rock. And um, we've got, I believe this is the newest addition to their core range, but not a new beer as such. Not a new beer, no. A uh, beer that's probably been out 12 months-ish, something yeah, like I that. So, yeah. um, and two new beers have gone into the core range, actually, just in the last uh, week and a bit. Dancing Bear... Uh, uh, which is a German lager, I think, uh, uh, and then of course this one, Phantasma uh, uh, IPA, and the number one rated uh, gluten-free beer in the UK currently. What I find really interesting about this is it's gone into the core range, but it's got the fancy cans. Because yeah. normally yeah. Magic Rock, their core range cans are the are the ones that are just kind of one set colour yeah, whereas Dan- this has got kind of the, yeah. the crazy ass cam design Dancing Bear has gone into line with the others I'm not quite sure whether, uh, why this is the this, case it is a very pretty cam this is where I go all vain it's always pretty cam I like that it's it's what phantasm means cam. apparently it means like monster right. yeah. in you what language it's a different one but <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> anyway, it's a six point five percent IPA. It's got a monster. Oh, right. yeah. Different language, apparently. Don't need to call me on that. We need to Google that, don't we? <laughs> Do it. Go for it. So Magic Rock um, are one of the breweries then that are going to be at the Indie Beer Feast and um, I think we've all been kind of going through the list of other breweries that are going to be um, are going to be there. I, I mean, I've got to say, I, I got my tickets sorted, actually literally today I finally got round to um, sorting my tickets for it. Oh right, it's not a monster, it's a ghost. And I am, oh. It's a ghost. There's a no in it. Similar-ish. Yeah. Um, I am really, really looking forward to it. I'm a big fan of these kind of smaller beer festivals uh, right down to just last week at the um, is it called the stupidly delicious yeah. beers night part, they part have a, 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 yes Shakespeare's, at, at Shakespeare's. I'm hoping it's going to be like a you know kind of a biannual thing now um, you know really enjoyed that last year I really enjoyed the vegan beer festival that was at Yellow Arch which again was very kind of small uh, with some quite unusual beers and it sounds like this is going to be a little bit like that because the the breweries, are, uh, quite a lot of them are breweries that are becoming quite known for doing unusual, kind of strange, wacky beers. So for me, Lost Industry and Mad Hatter are probably two that I'm really looking forward to. Um, I've always been a fan of Lost Industry and I do like Mad Hatter because they also tend to do those kind of like crazy ass, slightly silly beers that don't really make any sense until you actually taste it. Yeah, I was going to say probably... Apart from the obvious ones that which you know we're quite lucky in Sheffield to get quite a lot of these breweries anyway. Um, but Mad Hatter is one of the ones that you don't see much in the bars. It's one mm. that you kind of risk a bit, a bit in the in the shops. And I've I've had some absolutely fantastic Mad Hatter beers, but I've also been warned off about some of them from people in shops. Not you, Sean, actually. Like other shops where I've been, like which one do you recommend? So we're going. Oh, I want to have that one. This is really good. Ones I've got really good ones. Um, the Tox Toxith IPA, yeah. amazing. Yeah. The t- uh, one of the ones I don't know if you've had that one, Jen. The, the uh, Tatsiki Tatsiki Sour, Tatsiki sour which is like it's essentially trying to replicate a Tatsiki kind of. It does. It's, it does it's, replicate. Is it, is it, is it, yeah, it is. It's, it's yogurt mint. Yeah, it's yeah. not particularly. Again, it's I would 
classic in, in the entry sour kind of range. Yeah. I think for me, Indie Beer Feast is a real opportunity for Sheffield to step up to the kind of beer festivals that other cities have got. Like, and it's starting on a relatively small scale this year, but it has potential to be something you know, like a like an Indie Man yeah, or yeah, something absolutely. like that. Um, and I think the range of breweries that are that are in there with like there's Moore and Thornbridge and sort of kind of bigger, more recognisable names, uh, alongside smaller breweries that you only really see at a sort of niche festival. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to Torside, who I'm sure I'm probably going to mention everyone. <laughs> I don't work for them, I just love them. <laughs> uh, and Elusive as well, who are based pretty much next door to Siren. Um, She's a man called Andy who uh, used to homebrew. Uh, was really really good at it and blogged about his setting up a brewery experience um, and his beers are always fantastic and uh, he's good friends with Simon as well and you know they sort of work together um, on various projects um, so I'm really excited to see uh, the things from the small breweries and also to see how the local breweries that probably won't have as much experience as being at the festivals pouring yeah. with these like nationwide brewers yeah. To see how their beers stand up because I think yeah, they're yeah. Uh, absolutely to going to. to. So, yeah. so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'll mention as well that um, I mean, you've heard Jules kind of talk about this. The idea that it's each brewery that's hosting its own bar, so you've literally got the opportunity to talk to the people that make that beer about the beer, mm-hmm. and that's that's quite you know that's quite a unique opportunity to be able to, if you want to find out well what makes this taste like this or how did you come up with this idea, you can actually ask them. Um, and that's for well, I, I got my tickets earlier £7.50 for the evening session for £7.50 to have that kind of audience with all these breweries from up and down the country um, on you know for me almost literally my doorstep it's you know 10 minutes from where I live it's just brilliant and I just you know I'm, I'm really looking forward to it it's the kind of event that is just spot on for, for me kind of small low-key um, with you know some some really interesting breweries who I'm sure will come up with some interesting beers for it um, and so it's the first, really first night of Sheffield Beer Week as well so it really does uh, move things on in a, in a spectacular way uh, for, for the start there are lots of events that week and it's good to have a real feature event to kick it all off just going back to the beer, we've been drinking a gluten-free beer. We've already gone too much in the case we kind of cover that another point. But um, yeah. um, the last year I've kind of done quite a bit with the gluten-free thing. I've got a friend who does um, at gluten-free pint on Twitter. He's really trying to push like the places that try and do gluten-free beer in Sheffield and stuff. And um, but you, uh, Sean, you've yeah, been a few at times. Ver- and, uh, <laughs> at various times. Um, not much more than 18 months ago if we got four or five gluten-free beers in the shop we're, 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 you could celebrate that uh, just before Christmas early December we got over 20 I think it was 24 wow. uh, different gluten-free beers so uh, breweries of all types both more traditional sort of real ale scene uh, Wall Top for example over in uh, East Yorkshire really do set a standard and uh, I remember going to Wall Top once to collect some beer on our way home from the coast and there was a bus there, coach and I said to one of the, 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 the brewery lads I said, you, have you got some visitors? and he said, yeah, there's some breweries come across from the United States because we're good at gluten free beers they've, they've come to listen to us do a little bit of a talk for them so uh, I said, who are the breweries? And he said, I don't know any of them at all. He says, I think one's called Sierra Nevada, I think another one's called Brooklyn. And he more or less listed off six or seven unbelievable 
uh, breweries from the United States and this lad who lived upon Yorkshire Wolves and worked for Wool Top in the brewery uh, didn't didn't really didn't really know who they were and didn't perhaps recognise how important it was mm. that these people were coming to listen to to, to Wool Top uh, delivering it. So they've really they've really um, um, developed a, initially a, a niche in the market, but then lots of others. First shop in Manchester. I've got to be given a, a shout out as well because all of theirs are gluten free and again a, a spectacular range of different styles. Yeah. It costs a lot of money for breweries to put mm. you through a test to um, yeah. send a certain amount of beers through to a, a certify it as gluten free. doesn't mean that they can't brew it as gluten free, it just means they can't particularly yeah. well, um, advertise it as gluten free. There's premises audits and things like that, yeah. it's a really, really lengthy, um, difficult process for breweries to go through. So, I think there probably are a lot of breweries that are producing beers that are reduced gluten or yeah. close to, if not entirely gluten free, but you know, it's not, it's not going to be. Um, yeah, yeah a, a point with this one when it was in the total of 440 mil cans I've got a feeling it said Phantasma IPA on the bottom and so um, was incredibly popular as a drink in its own right and lots of people actually had that beer not knowing it was gluten free and then there were other people who were, who were gluten free drinkers that were very familiar with it it's interesting that that now says gluten free IPA on the front of the can, so I'll be interested from a, a retail point of view as to whether mm. that uh, someone sees gluten free on it that doesn't need to drink a gluten free drink sometimes automatically that assumes that's got yeah, yeah it's, it's got something missing. I don't I don't need yeah. that. I can I can have something else. You can guarantee that it doesn't. There's no there's no flavour. Doesn't no. pair the flavour at all. No, yeah. lots of people just did not know. Fantastic looking can, great beer inside, six and a half percent, hoppy as hell, uh, and people were satisfied with that as a drink. It's actually not got the cross grain symbol on it, which is okay. the UK certification. Yeah, yeah. It's like the recognised symbol, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, it does say EU. Fe- yeah, not many do. Yeah. Not many of the ones that we have have got that on. But it's, it's an extra cost and all that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Risk yeah. it for a nice beer. Not for risk it for a gluten free biscuit. <laughs> 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 uh, right um, now then our uh, our meet the brewer feature for uh, this month is actually just around the corner it's Sentinel Brewery um, and Alex Barlow is the well he's the master brewer and owner and founder um, now it's a place that's had a real kind of topsy-turvy first year but thankfully very much pulling through and establishing itself nicely on the scene so Adam and I went along to meet Alex <laughs> For anyone that doesn't know, then tell us kind of the history of, I guess, yourself and um, and, and the brew house. Um, well, I've been pretty much in beer as long as I can remember. So every every job I've ever done has been in the beer industry. So I started in in my local pub, age seventeen, um, not legally old enough to pull pints. So I was cleaning beer lines and stocking up fridges and, and that sort of thing. Um, and you know, just really found I got a taste for beer. So so I I, I enjoyed that. I Went to university, ran bars while I was at university, um, and then, and I, I studied pharmacology and, and you know sort of the the medical sciences and that sort of thing, um, which is a good foundation for a number of different things. Uh, originally, I wanted to do medicine, but I sort of like wee myself off thinking that, um, and uh, you know, I the idea struck me that that you know sort of like with my love of beer, why not why not join Bass as a as a brewer? So. 
uh, applied to them, got offered a job, uh, and much to the anger of my uh, uh, pharmacology professors, turned down Glaxo in favour of Bass. <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you've you've kind of worked for a few different um, uh, breweries, and and then kind of you know you've, you you find yourself here, kind of heading up this project. How did that come about? What what made you decide to to, to kind of follow this direction and open Sentinel? Um, well, one way or another, I worked with, with Bass for eighteen years, and the company went through a lot of changes. I worked for a lot of different breweries. Started out in the northwest, then came over to to Sheffield, so I worked at both both Open Anchor and and Stones Breweries. Um, then I went from there out to Star Apartment out in Prague. I uh, was there for, for a couple of years, and that was, that was fantastic. It was a great eye-opener for me. Um, and I, and I, was, I was a big fan of, of English cask beer and pale ales and that sort of thing. And there's actually a great similarity between that and Czech Pilsner in, in a lot of respects. And, and, and as a brewer, you know, I really appreciated the similarities and the nuances are different. different. So you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a now a big lover of, of, of Czech beer and, and hence brewing our, our interpretation in Pivo. But I also used it as an opportunity to, to travel the continent and, and particularly you know, breweries and, and, and beer styles uh, around Europe. When I came back and, and I stayed, I stayed you know, sort of like for a while with it within the company that had then been taken over by um, AB InBev brief, briefly, uh, or InBev as it was then, uh, and then by, by Molson Coors. And, and everything started changing, and the focus was very much lager, 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 and that's what they thought the future was. And I thought, well, I honestly don't agree with that. I, I think there's, there's a real future for ale, as the craft beer movement that's all happened since has, has shown. I decided to work as a consultant, so I spent 12 years or so working as a consultant. Um, and I helped other people start breweries, um, both in the UK and abroad, and develop their breweries. So, so I, I you know, a, a number of clients... But I found that I really wanted to just get in and do it myself. And I thought, well, you've either got to get this out of your system, you've either got to do it, or forget about it. Um, so I decided to do it and get serious about putting the plan together for, uh, for Sentinel, which was, and really the plan was all about uh, having a brewery whereby everything was on show. You know, people have seen open kitchens where, where they can see the chefs working, etc. Well, this, this is, that's, the, that's the theory here. So it's, it's like an open brewery. There's nothing but it's behind closed doors. There's windows into everything. Uh, 70% of the brew house is surrounded by glass. Uh, and if you stand in the middle of our bar, you can see grain to glass in your eye line. It's 20 metres. You know, so it, I wanted to try and pull together all the things that I'd, I'd you know, the best of what I'd learnt in, you know, so far like 30 odd years of, of being in the industry. Um, so thinking about your, um, your kind of range of, of, of beer then, Alex, what, what would you pick out as your favourite beer of, of yours? Yeah, that's probably the toughest question you can ever ask me because um, as the, it's, it's almost like asking a parent what's your favourite child, you know. <laughs> and, as, and as my partner always says, the one I'm talking to at the time. <laughs> you know, it, and, and, it, and it is a bit like that because, you know, when you've, when you've created a range of beers... You, you want to you keep tasting them and making sure that what's being served to, to our, our customers is absolutely bang on and the way it should be. The ones I tend to drink more often than, than, than the others are probably Pivo and ZF. Um, as we kind of sit here talking now, it's, um, it is Burns Night and you've got a, a nice Burns Night event going on um, out in the, uh, in the bar. Um, so, you know, we're still kind of in, in the early stages of the year. What does 2018 have in store for, for, for Sentinel as a, as a venue and, and in terms of, of what you're going to produce beer-wise? 
We're, we're still a very young brewery. We're not, we're not yet two years old. Um, we've had, you know, survived very well documented financial issues, which we're still, you know, working our way through. Ways through. It, was, it was a very expensive project, and much more expensive than we initially thought it was going to be. Um, you know, but we, I've, I've got a great bunch of directors. We're absolutely committed to this, you know. Um, we've got uh, an exciting range of beers planned um, for, for the, co- the course of the year. We, we've decided on what our core range is going to be and, and, and stick with, uh, and then we're going to, we're going to rotate through uh, pale ales. So, you know, the, one of the next pale ale we're going to brew um, it will be a Belgian pale ale, um, which we'll do on cask, so, but with Belgian yeast. Uh, we're using... Um, I'm having some uh, Sheffield University, Hallam University, we work with very closely. They're growing me up some West Malay yeast um, at present, which, uh, which is going to be used for, for that Belgian pale ale. We'll rotate a guest lager as well. Um, so we're planning to do um, uh, an IPL, an India pale lager, uh, so it's a more hoppy lager. Um, we'll, d- we'll go back to uh, the Kelsch uh, for, for the summer. Um, we'll do um, uh, you know, a Bock beer for, for the winter. So, so you know, sort of like rotating through lager styles. We've always rotated the IPA. So the base, the base recipe is the same in terms of the malt and the yeast and, and, and the liquor grist, but the hops vary. Um, we always try and aim for, for 60 IBU. We always dry hop to the same rate, but we go through um, uh, British hops, American hops, EU hops, and Antipodean hops. Um, and at present, in fact, it's, it's currently on circulation, uh, we've got the first dry hopping of our first ever uh, dipper, double IPA. So it'll be a double dry hopped, double IPA. Um, it's going to be um, around about 8%, just shy of 8%. Um, uh, and it's all, this is all, uh, it's, it's, it's a variation of our anti-IPA, so it's Antipodean hops, Australia and New Zealand. Um, so it's got some cracking great hops in there. It'll be a, you know, a real tropical fruit bomb. There's a bit of a trend at present for confectionery beers. So we've got a bit of that going on. So we've got a, a, few, a few recipes. Uh, we want to do um, a white chocolate bounty beer. We, we do orange, the orange stout. Is, is, our, is our Irish dry stout at 4.2. I want to I want to sort of like push that up to 6.2 and do a, a double chocolate orange stout. Uh, our rhubarb and, and rose hip goes um, was was very very well received um, and you know so sort of like we we're well out of that in draft now. Still got a few bottles left, but uh, but well out of it in draft. And I want to do a twist on that with uh, rhubarb and ginger. And we're moving more into can rather than bottle. The thing with the mobile canners is, is, is that. That we do that in the brewery. I'm not sending beer away, and um, I'm a bit, I'm a bit anal about being in control and wanting to see everything that's happening uh, and making sure it's happening on the premises. Um, so I feel a bit more, a bit more control with with that canning on site. One or two of the beers probably suit being in bottle better. Probably the Pivo will will we'll keep in bottle, but everything else will will go in can. Alex, thank you very much for your time, and um, the very best of luck with. Um uh, everything here in uh, in 2018. Yeah, you're most welcome. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers. Yeah. Uh, right, we've got one more beer to try on the Hopcast this month, and um, this is one, Sean, you're particularly excited about. This is the Little Critters, which is uh, a local brewery, Sheffield Brewery. Yeah. Nutty uh, Ambassador, and this is one. This this always seems to come quite quite high up in your 
bestsellers it's, yeah, we, it's kind we, of been we, a, a we, long we, we like to recommend it it was first brewed by uh, Will Inman who moved from Thornbridge to work for Little Critters about a year ago and was launched in three 30ml bottles as hazelnut milk stout uh, 6% lots of chocolate lots of hazelnuts lots of sweetness from the lactose in there and we've, we thought a, a fantastic beer and went down incredibly well with customers um, since being rebranded along with all the other Little Critters beers that have all got a little sort of animal influence as Nutty Ambassador, now relaunched in 500ml bottles. But uh, from a point of view of uh, customer satisfaction, this beer always seems to score very highly. And Andy's a local beer, he's a Sheffield beer. It's interesting to see a, a Sheffield brewery, along with Abbeydale and a couple of others like Lost Industry, actually challenging things and doing things a little bit different. Or, uh, so lots of nuts, or uh, lots of chocolate in this one. Now, Rich, you were talking earlier about the fact you're not a big fan of stouts. Mm, I'm not a big so fan of stouts, but I'm uh, sold already. going to come to you, what do you think? It, yeah, it, it, I get the nuts straight away, and I'm not a big kind of any nuts in chocolate and all that kind of stuff. Just really doesn't doesn't work for me. But that that's really nice. It doesn't actually does yeah. it, it doesn't actually contain nuts, does it? It's not listed as an option. No. Yeah. A lot of them now use uh, natural flavours. So the beer that we've done with. Uh, North Riding Brewer. Oh, the natural hazelnut is the same, yeah. Natural, natural flavourings, uh, and so uh, <coughs> you're not you're not really suffering from any allergy issues. It's really nice, actually. No, it's, I, I can't. Like I said, I'm, I'm not a big stout lover, but I'm kind of <coughs> following. I think even the... better on cask. We're supping this from the bottle now, and. I think uh, serving on cast gives it that added thick mouthfeel yeah. that the bottle can sometimes lack. Six percent and on cask, real it's, thick it's mouthfeel to 6%, it. Six percent, even at that though. Yeah, yeah. It's a dangerous six percent at that. <laughs> it's like Jaipur kind of. Danger. Oh god, that's my that's my <laughs> Jaipur is my poison. If I'm going to put a Thornbridge pub, don't let me touch Jaipur, and I always end up drinking it. <laughs> Anybody that likes uh, Omnipolo, no pecan mud. Uh, which is 11%. This one's a, a, a similar sort of feel and style to it. Certainly similar aroma, or, uh, mm. but it's more accessible at 6%. We, we were talking last time we, about you're quite into the the really strong, really heavy kind of stouts and, and porters, and they probably need to be you know bordering on double figures to really kind of do it for you. Yeah. Whereas this is 6%, which in comparison is... You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's quite thin, it's quite yeah. weak, but it's still, it, feels, it still it, does it. Yeah, in, in bottle, yeah, it feels, I, I much prefer it on cask or, uh, uh, to bottle. I think the mouthfeel in bottle is just a little bit thinner. The flavour's still there, the aromas are still there, but uh, but again, it, it's all about um, context. We are on about this earlier, I'll, I'm not a big fan of best bitters, but I'll sup a best bitter if I'm in a little country pub with a nice roaring fire. Um, if I'm going to drink a, a, a big sweet Omnipolo Noah, then that would be the end of a, a nice night on a fair few beers, mm. and that would be my nightcap. <laughs> or, uh, I was thinking of something uh, else. See me off to bed. I was thinking of something else local, which is dark, not in the same style, but um, <clears throat> like Acorn um, Golovka, and that yeah. is a lot heavier than. You know, so Golovka is a lot heavier than that yeah. is. Fantastic beer, Golovka. Yeah, absolutely brilliant beer. Just six. If you're looking for something dark and six percent, maybe something a little bit sweeter, a little bit more aromatic in in the the sweeter end of it. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't compare it to Golovka, but I'm thinking about the strength and how it's accessible and that kind of level. Really good beer. 
really nice. Right now for uh, for something a little bit different, a little bit new on the Hopcast, um, and it's kind of like introducing a new member of the team. Um, now Russell Norton works at the Ecclesall Ale Club. Uh, which we're all big fans of, uh, and each month now he's going to bring us the Russ Report. Now this is kind of delving into the world of beer. Uh, I'm quite pleased to have Russ on the Hotcast. Two reasons, really. First of all, as we talked about earlier, we're all about being inclusive and representing minority groups in Sheffield. Uh, well, Russ is a Unitedite. Hey! <laughs> um, and he also brings the average age down considerably. How Rich, rude! Rich, I'm looking at you. I'm not, How rude! Not saying anything. So, in the weeks ahead, uh, Russ is going to be finding out about some new beers. He's going to be checking out what the local breweries are up to, um, finding out about what the, the pubs around Sheffield are doing. But to start with, this month he went to the first big beer festival of the year over in Manchester. Hi, I'm Russell, and I've just spent the weekend at Manchester Beer and Cider Festival. It was held at the Manchester Central Convention Centre, and it's a really great-sized venue. However, it just feels a bit businessy. You get in, and they've tried the best to cover it up with sort of posters and what have you. It just lacks, lacks that little character. However, the real redeeming feature to this festival is the actual bar 200 hand pumps, and that is a real sight to behold. Manchester Beer Festival have done a really, really good job of picking out the beers here. There were 750 beers, and they had a really good uh, range from up and down the country. It was a quite a lot of pails, bitters and stouts, and there was nothing too adventurous, nothing that really pushed the boundaries of what a beer is. Abbeydale were there, as always, as you would imagine. Bradfield were there also with their core range. Onto the sort of personal beers that I quite liked. Town of Rebel Dutty was a real favourite of mine. It was a, it was a real complex pale. Um, I don't know if it's unfamiliar to you, but it was to me. Um, and it was one I've not tried, tried of the Tiny Rebel range, which is always, always a good choice of a beer. And, I mean, it had a lot of different hops. I was getting Mosaic, Simcoe, and a slight bit of Citra there. And it's a real one to watch. Maybe this is one to become their core range. Blackjack had a brewery bar there, and I thought they did really well. Probably my beer of the festival was Aces High. Probably about a 5.5%, might be slightly less, but this was a real nice, tasty pale. It was just so quaffable, you could easily drink five or six pints of. Again, I, I probably in a January beer festival, not what you would expect, but if this was held in June, Aces High would be your beer of choice. Arbor had a really good lineup, and the single Hop Hip Simcoe was the highlight for them, getting that real tropical citra flavours from that. Blue Monkey were there as well with classics like BG Sips and Gorilla. Um, and Bristol Beer Factory, for me, are really, really good beer producers and they were making some quality beers at the minute. However, I feel like the bit of a dud of the beer that I tried was the Blackjack 21. It was a cranberry IPA. It had all the IPA body there and everything you would expect from an IPA. However, the cranberry was very overpowering and almost made it like a sour beer and not really the sort of refreshing, juice-like flavour I was expecting from a beer. Overall, I think the venue was a really good. It could just do with being somewhere like Sheffield at the Kellerman Museum or Derby at the Roundhouse. It just needed that little bit of niche to bring people in and make them go, wow. However, hats off to the beer selectors. They've done really well there. 750 beers, all quality. And I think overall this beer festival would probably get a six and a half out of ten. 
Should just say a big thank you to the beer house where we recorded the first Rust report. He'll be back next month. Uh, now to wrap up tonight, uh, we need to pick our communal favourite beer. So, uh, Rich, you're on Twitter at Dickyal. What's Correct. been your favourite beer of the evening? You know where I'm going, don't you? The, the man that doesn't like stout enjoyed the stout the most. And that's the ambassador. You going for the little yeah. critters? The little critters one, yeah, yeah, mm, yeah, okay. absolutely, yeah, spot. Adam, you're on Twitter at on the bar chef. Yep. What are you going for? I think I'm. As it's a new beer to me, and I've had some of them before, even though they're all excellent beers, I think I'm going to go for the Nutty Ambassador as well. Wow! So an early lead. Um, Sean, you are at Beer Central Ltd. What is your winner of the evening? Um, as a, a bloke that likes Nutty Ambassador, this is now going to seem very odd that I am going to go for uh, the Sour, the Siren Calypso. Oh, right. Absolute class. Yep. Uh, Laura, you are at Mashton and Meow. What's been your favourite? I'm going to be the the one that speaks up for the craft and goes for the lickable staves. Going for the rare beer. (laughs) No, I really liked it. Like I said, I really enjoy a complex beer. Um, Just so much to think about and really sip on and savour. Some left. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. There we go. Okay, um, so I'm on Twitter at James Marriott, um, and actually I'm I'm gonna go for the dry and bitter. Um, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was really nice, and I kind of like what goes with it with the um, with uh, the hops not hit thing. Yeah. Um, so you know that's. Um, does that the mean that the uh, the ambassadors have won? But that does mean Rich if my calculations are correct. Yeah. With um, with two votes, that makes Nutty Ambassador our winning beer for um, Put your for the second hot cast. There's no need to celebrate such yep. a win. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for your company on episode two of the Sheffield Hopcast. Uh, as ever, we welcome your feedback and your ideas. You can follow us on Twitter at Chef Hopcast, or track us down via the website SheffieldHopcast.co.uk. And we'll see you next month. Mm-hmm.